Hello and welcome to another mini-sode. Today we're talking about our latest campaign to connect with our team, our patients, and our community, and what lessons can be learned from ways that we connect with our own rural patients. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hotshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. So, JJ, our most recent campaign that we have launched, it's kind of a combination of things, right? It's an internal campaign. It is an external campaign. uh, I'm calling it an engagement campaign with our community because there's a marketing communications element to it, um, but also an engagement element to it. And then also it's rolling into our new capital campaign um, Mm -hmm. that we're starting. But I think this is a good topic to discuss because the way we designed this campaign and kind of the, the language behind it, very much ties into the types of relationships that rural hospitals tend to have with their Mm -hmm. communities. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, rural communities can be very tight-knit. Rural hospitals are very tight-knit. Even more so. Um, Right. And and there's an important element of that community feel that I think is best woven into any sort of engagement or marketing campaign with your community. Um, But to start, why don't you tell us a little bit of the background of why did we need to come up with a new campaign at this point in time? Well, you know, I think throughout this country, hospitals, large and small, are always engaged in some type of activity that integrates the hospital with the community. In some, Rachel, you know, it goes back to sponsoring maybe even fireworks mm-hmm. or sponsoring a concert in the park. And, we, and we've read about this historically. Right, right. Um, as the pandemic, you know, visited us and hospitals started to suffer financially and otherwise moving about, um, you know, the focus wasn't so much on community aspect at that time. Mm-hmm. And historically speaking, hospitals, you know, would engage their community in, let's say, by local campaign, right? right? And a, you know, support your local heroes campaign and do what's best for your local hospital campaign. And so those, I'm not going to call them gimmicks, but they're kind of like, you know, wear a button, you know, have a pin that's displayed, drink a cup that's got the logo on it. And that's what rural communities have done. Unfortunately, what the pandemic has brought us and even pre-pandemic was the stark reality that hospitals were closing at record numbers. Right. And hospitals had to do something different. It's no longer just about a button that says buy mm-hmm. local mm-hmm. because what or high quality close to home, right. which we've been guilty of that Ourselves. too. And that's not, yeah. you know, the standard. That's table stakes. If that it's is. not high quality and accessible. Why are you even doing the, it? Right. That's like the, the yeah. I've used the analogy before. That's like the grocery store saying, Come here because our produce section is fresh food. And right. it's like well, good Lord, I would hope so, right? right. Or come to our ER because we're nice. Right. You know, okay, right. that it's should be safe. the baseline. I would hope so. That's the right. baseline. Right. The baseline is you should understand you're providing that environment. Right. But So hospitals have always struggled with this. Some have launched capital campaigns from, you know, community initiatives to support certain areas of their hospital. But what happened during, uh, you know, this period of COVID and then well after is really raising the awareness of how do we engage with our community even more mm-hmm. than we ever have because – if our hospital closes in those rural communities, so goes and then name X, Y, Z. So goes economy, the economic structure. Other so employers. Goes, yeah, other yeah. employers, the healthcare, et cetera. So I think it's raised a new level of just buy your local, you know, and now it's really how do you sustain hospitals in rural communities? And it's a mm-hmm. bigger issue than just buying local. 
right? Right. I mean, there's all types of elements in this, Rachel. And most of the work that we do is behind the scenes, you and I. Right. You know, I'm sharing a very small uh, amount of information with the Board of Trustees in terms of what we do uh, in in our congressional uh, districts and then in our state rep and in state Senate district in terms of discussing the need of health care and rural health care. Right. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, the conversation has shifted from, all right, just support your local hot dog roast that buys, let's say, a new XYZ machine for your hospital. It's really more, how do we get at this this baseline, the systemic issue of why hospitals are closing? Right. And then how do we address that? And it's a far greater issue than bringing a chuck wagon in. You Absolutely. Know, it's, it's about payers. Um, right. And now, so that that aside, we're doing that in the background. Let's focus on one area. And the area really is raising awareness in your community that you can offer the services that your community needs and they will support you and your hospital will be viable. Right. There is an element to that as well, because how many times have you and I heard, well, bigger is better. And right. we have to go to X. Right. And you can put the name in. Right. Or like, I'll come to Hillsdale for that. But for this, but for I this, go to blah, yeah. blah, blah, I get my blood like, drawn at Hillsdale. But, you know, I get my right. major surgeries at the University of X. Right. And then you're right. like, well, but we have higher quality. We have lower cost structure. And we're close home. Right. We're in your right. backyard and we can recover you right here. So the, the dialogue has changed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it needs to. And it needs to really be, you can't just be here for just the small end stuff. And I want to be careful how I say it, but it's like saying, well, I like our local grocery store, but I'm only going to buy my soda pop there. You know, if you're not buying your produce and your meat there, the grocery store's going to close. Right, right. right? If you're looking at it just as a convenience factor because you like to shop at the big box stores, then the implications are that that store most likely is not going to be propped up just by selling soda pop or your favorite candy that you like. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Look at it from, you know, the free market economy the same way in healthcare. Um, you have a choice. Hospitals are delivering those services. Everybody's competing for the same thing, kind of mm-hmm. like in the free market. Right. You're competing for that business. You're competing for that patient, customer, i.e. Um, and so what are what products are we offering? So we have to make sure that the products are high quality, low cost. But then as we have the discussion in a broader scale, all right, what's going to sustain your hospital for our example, another 107 years. Right. And it's daunting Mm -hmm. to think about it, Rachel. Mm -hmm. It's daunting. And and one of the things you and I talked about, and we're still bantering, you know, seminars, summits, you know, having, you know, this Hillsdale be the place where people come in and we talk about how do you, you know, sustain rural health in America. But one of the things that you and I developed was kind of like a, a... you know, shop local campaign, but on steroids. Right. 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 And it was more of, okay, it's, it, it encompasses so many other elements. So mm-hmm. why don't you talk to us a little bit about what we developed here at Hillsdale Hospital? It's unique to us. Right. Right. So during, well, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, as we are, you know, trying to navigate all of this and understand what's going on, we're also trying to keep our community informed. And randomly one day as I'm typing out a social media post, Hashtag Hillsdale Strong just came out of my fingers there at the end. Um, And then that hashtag kind of caught on and then that phrase kind of caught on. Mm -hmm. And we have used that over the last, you know, three years or so is that that Hillsdale Strong, that Mm -hmm. very much to symbolize the strength of our community when we are all together and have each other's backs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was kind of the first phase of the really the change in the relationship that we've had with our community 
Um, we've said before that we never wanted this opportunity for this reason, but COVID really gave us an opportunity to rebuild our relationship with our community in a way that we had not done before, or at least in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then this campaign now is sort of the continuation of that. It mm-hmm. still is Hillsdale Strong, but now it's Hillsdale Strong, Hillsdale First. Mm-hmm. And I think Hillsdale Strong implies, you know, we're linking arms with each other. We care about each other. We support each other. And Hillsdale First implies we trust each other. We do. And that is that next step of we're inviting the trust of our community to choose Hillsdale as the first option for mm-hmm. any form of health care we need, should it be something or that they need, should it be yeah. something that we provide. Right, right. Um, and that's really important because to to what you said, when hospitals close, communities are devastated. But mm-hmm. also when you think about what makes your community a great place, a great community, a place people want to live, a place that people who live in that community are proud of, having access to local health care is, is a part of that, right? It might not be something that people think of off the top of their head when you say, oh, why do you love living in such and such town, America? They're not going to be like, we have a hospital, right? Yeah. But if you didn't have a hospital, that might be a very different conversation sure. um, in what makes that community yeah. valuable and a desirable yeah. place for the people who live there. Um, so that's part of it. But mm-hmm. the other part of it is the industry right now, we are seeing even the big, huge health systems are losing <laughs> money. Big Lots time. of it. Hand over fist. And I don't and I don't laugh. I I I it's it's well, in like, well. They're going through what I've been well, going it's through. It's welcome for to the club kind right. of kind right. of it's laugh. Like, okay. it's, it's a little bit of yep. shadow. Welcome to the club. Like, yeah. Now you know how it feels, right. right? Right. But the problem is we expect to start seeing some of those larger health systems creep their way into rural communities yeah. to siphon off they patients will. to cover their own losses. And, you know, the way it was described in the press release yeah. we put out several weeks ago when we launched this campaign is we don't need a health system from another community. We don't need people from somewhere else coming into our community and telling us that we can't have something we already have, which is high quality health care at a much more affordable price than what you're going to get in a consolidated health system. Not to mention all the other benefits of being local, right? Um, So, you know, having your neighbors and friends and people that you know and trust who are taking care of you and really just that down-to-earth experience. And I'll tell you, you know, being pregnant right now, I had my son um, mm-hmm. at a at in a larger large practice yeah. down in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived, we still lived where we do now, mm-hmm. but um, that was just a circumstance of some of my medical history at the time that I didn't have him here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fine; it was a good experience. I don't have any complaints about no. it, um, both from the practice sure. side of that very large um, OB practice in that community, and from the hospital mm-hmm. where I had him. Um, it was part of a larger system. It's a regional system that's owned by a national system. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't a bad experience. However, the experience this pregnancy at our OB-GYN yeah. office <laughs> is night and day different. And Country it's club. almost hard to explain, right, what the difference is. Yeah. It just, it feels different. And I hear that often. Right. I can't describe it, but, but I'm going to tell different. you, it feels different. Right. It's. I think it comes down to the relationship with the providers, with the medical assistants. I mean, I've probably seen the same 
two or three MAs, um, even at the at the front desk. I was over there today because I was having some issues and wasn't feeling well. And then afterward, when I was checking out, um, a member of our team who is awesome over there, she was like, I could tell you weren't really feeling good when you came in, you know? And that meant a lot to me that I was like, she even, I mean, she knew I was there because yeah. I was not feeling well. Um, but the fact that she could recognize that yeah. and say, I could tell that you're, you know, having yeah. a rough time, you know, that made me feel very special because I was like, she knows me enough and recognizes me enough to notice even that, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it is. It's a very different experience. Um, it's just something that can't be replicated at that larger level the way that it can in rural communities. And I think this idea of Hillsdale Strong, Hillsdale First is our way to remind our community of what they love about local health care and why it's so important and to once again, invite their trust and invite their support so that we can be sustainable. Now, to your point, this is not the only issue, right? Whether or not our local community chooses us is not the only issue when it comes to rural hospital sustainability. But what we see across the country in places where hospitals have closed, Mm -hmm. you have very active people in the community trying to reopen the hospital. They are. Right? But we need that on the front end. Well, you can't. After the back end, it's, Rachel, there's too much. Too much that regulation. type of, of passion and engagement Should've has to happen on the, on the front end. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we hope to inspire with a campaign like this. Yeah. Um, and that is part of why it ties into our capital campaign. Right. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So obviously, you know, hospitals, their bottom line is typically support anywhere from 5 to 10% uh, is from charitable donations, contributions, wills, estates, etc. Um, and it's it's been tough because I'm going to tell you, a lot of people in communities feel that hospitals are rich, right? right? Because healthcare is expensive, outrageously expensive. expensive. You get your bill and you get an ER bill and your ER bill says that you now owe $3,000. It's almost like the middleman's part of the problem. Who would that be? Well, hmm, (laughs) could it rhyme with insurance companies? Uh, So so what happens- That's another mini-sode coming up, we promise. Yeah, uh, what what happens is essentially, uh, you know, you get your bill and then you think, oh my Gosh, this is you know a hundred thousand dollars. They're making all if they right. do this ten they times. They charge me twelve hundred dollars. They a just Tylenol. made a million dollars, yeah. right? And so, what's very important to understand is that is not what your local hospital gets paid. Right. A friend of mine uh, received uh, her EOB, and she uh, was just overwhelmed by the dollar amount because she mm-hmm. had uh, been taken out of here to a uh, cardiac place, and, and essentially, uh, you know, the bill was nearly six figures. And mm. she's like, you guys, this is a racket. I'm like, you do understand <laughs> that Hillsdale Hospital that isn't back. getting $125,000, right. right? You understand that. Right. We have contractual agreements with insurance companies. It's a fraction. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like Medicaid's going to tell us what they're paying, you know, how much on a dollar, pennies right. on the dollar right. of what they pay. And so that number can be $10 million. Right. And we're not getting $10 million. That right. number could be $10,000. we are still not getting 10000 And so there, there is this misnomer that mm-hmm. hospitals have lots of money. So what happens is when they think that you have lots of money, after all, your staff up there are driving nice cars, JJ, and they live in nice homes. They do. Those are nurses. And nurses work a lot of overtime, right? right and right. these are professionals who went to college to get right. their masters right. and their PhDs and their doctorates in other areas. These are I mean, skilled, educated. These are skilled, for the educated, most part. Yeah. absolutely. And so they're going to drive nice cars. They're going to live in decent homes. You know, it doesn't mean the hospital system itself is rich, right? You know, right. we have to pay a living wage. We have to pay a fair market wage. Mm-hmm. And so, as a result of that, there is a, a misconception in the communities. Not just in Hillsdale, right. throughout this country, that hospitals have lots of money. Therefore, why should I give to them? Mm-hmm. When I have talked in the past about, why don't you think about making Hillsdale part of your will? What? 
Right. You guys get all that government money. We right. get all that government money. We have to take <laughs> the government insurance, right. which Medicaid, Medicare is 70% of our payer mix. Right. And it barely covers the cost in Medicaid or Medicare cases. It covers yeah. a little bit of plus cost, but Medicaid in a doesn't lot of the modalities, the it doesn't even cover the cost. Right. So at the end of the day, your hospitals in rural America specifically are struggling. And so right. they count on a certain portion of their bottom line to be representative of gifts. And that will help them through whether it's estates, whether it's through uh, just charitable contributions in general. Uh, mm-hmm. It will allow them to purchase equipment or purchase services that they need. Maybe it's a, a earmark for a program that would you know, be directed towards someone who's suffering from, let's just say, drug uh, addiction. Right. And so they'll say, you know what, we're going to make this contribution to this program. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had people make contributions here before to our skilled nursing, specifically for the skilled nursing. Right. So- we know hospitals rely on donations, bequests, et cetera, to meet their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Now, what is part of that is capital campaigns. Okay? Right. So capital campaign, usually in communities like ours, every three years mm-hmm. they're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, some are aggressive every year. They're doing a golf outing or they're doing, you know, every other year a right. major campaign, right. uh, a ball, you know, mm-hmm. an event. If you can afford to raising. have a full-time, you know, development well, person, then those things can be done. If you can afford to have them, but also if you can find them because it's if you hard can to find, find great fundraising it talent. It is because, you know, your universities and colleges are taking them up and big health systems are taking right. them up because they know the value proposition of that 5 to 10% of the bottom line. Right, right. And so we don't have time. You or I, and, right. and, and the CEOs listening to this across the country who are thinking to themselves, do you think I have time to go knock on doors? You don't. No, no. So, so knowing that part of your strategic goal in, in ensuring that, you know, a percentage of your bottom line is gifts and estates and wills and et cetera, um, basically, you know that part of this combination has to be a capital campaign. So once every three years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Some it's even longer. For us, it's been longer. Right. Uh, you right. go out and you solicit your community with a dollar amount. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's it's a challenge, right? Right. It's like we're going to see how vested you are in your respective community. We need support from businesses, individuals, vendors right. that come into the hospital, right. uh, physicians, partners, and employees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what's important is that you do this not only to generate Revenue, uh, and it's you know it's not ordinary revenue. So right, right. You generate this for a purpose, which is. in this case is capital equipment. Correct. And then what you do is you identify things on your usually on your capital campaign that you could not otherwise afford because you do not have the budget or the wherewithal. Right. For example, you want to buy X-ray machine Y. Mm-hmm. An X-ray machine Y costs one million dollars. Right. Right. And so you don't have a million bucks, mm-hmm. so you either have to go out and fund it, which means you'll pay interest. You'll spread that over 30 years. Right. By the time the life of that thing is dead in 15 years, right. uh, now you have to get a new one and now you're paying on the old one. There are challenges with that. So what hospitals do, and our strategy has always been, we like just to buy our equipment. Right. We just like to buy it. We don't like to lease right. it. And as a result of that, you know, we have to go to occasionally the public and say, would you help us fund this? Right. Would you help us fund it? Now, last capital campaign that we held was actually for education and tuition. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that was one of them that was you know, very important to us. But we wanted to go out in the community and raise a million bucks to say we need to have a fund at the foundation that would support building future healthcare professionals. At that mm-hmm. time, the focus was on nursing. Glad we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know we've spent millions mm-hmm. uh, in tuition assistance to make sure that we have a workforce right. here. Um, more than 55 students over the last has at it been least fi- over 10 years or more. Mm-hmm. That's great. So mm-hmm. that's incredible numbers. You know, anywhere from five to eight students, I know that for a fact, uh, historically. So for us, the capital campaign is really looking at things that we can say, all right, we really can't afford that, but we can't afford not to have it. Right. So we're either going to have to finance it, take it out of our day's cash on hand, or we find an earmark for it. Right. And capital campaigns usually are done without a fund development person. It's usually a board member mm-hmm. and a key member of staff like, oh, wait a minute, Rachel, you and I, yeah. <laughs> uh, who are responsible for making sure that it's spearheaded. But these are very healthy. Why are they healthy? It reminds a community that your local hospital is in need, mm-hmm. that we are not funded by the government to be able to do the work that we do. We can't. Right. If we were it's just to enough. get from the government, it's not enough. So you count on other payers, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, those type of payers, and donations, grants. Mm-hmm. Think about mm-hmm. that. Right. Think about special funding that we get from the state or federal government mm-hmm. that helps supplement, not supplant, but supplement the operations of your local hospital. Right. And so for all of those reasons, for the engagement of the public, for the purchase and acquisition of equipment that's much needed, life safety many times and, and life saving, um, hospitals like ours go out to the community and say, please invest in us. Right. And our campaign is no different. Hillsdale Strong, Hillsdale First means that we need to put Hillsdale first. And in mm-hmm. order to do that, to offer those services to our community who will use us first, they have to have services that they A, like, and B, that's state-of-the-art technology. Right. And that's been right. so important. I mean, I think when you look at our hospital, Rachel, we have some pretty, pretty nice equipment mm-hmm. at this hospital mm-hmm. to take care of our patients. Modalities that some rural hospitals just simply don't have. Right. And right. we're able to offer that to our community to, and again, invite mm-hmm. them to use our mm-hmm. services. So then it increases our volume, which then in turn drives the organization. Right. Right. And the other thing too with Hillsdale First is that we are also putting Hillsdale first. So it's really a mutual commitment to we ask you and invite your trust to choose us first. And we are choosing you first because when we bring new services into this community, we're looking at what do people need? What are people asking for? What can we bring? Even if we can't necessarily do it ourselves, right? And I think that's an important thing to remember is that, as we've often said, you know, we're independent, but we're interdependent. So when we can't do something on our own, we find a partner that we can do it with or that can do it independently with the utilization of our OR, for example, so that that service is accessible here for our community. Um, And, you know, there's a benefit to the hospital when a provider is using our OR, but also there's a benefit to our community Mm -hmm. when that provider is now available to see them here for those, um, you know, health needs that they may have that are specialized in a way that typically you might not necessarily see that in a rural community because we can't afford to hire and employ an ENT or a vascular surgeon, but we can build a relationship with one and show them how great of a community this is to be in, show them the need that patients have here and show them a great experience for using our OR. Um, And then hopefully they'll, you know, choose to do that. So that's part of it too. We're choosing Hillsdale first. We're asking Hillsdale as a community to choose us first but when we take this back to rural health overall, yeah, I think it really ties into part of what makes rural health unique is it that does. it is personal. Yeah, It's close to home in the sense that 
Um, you know, I think the way you've said it before is all government is local, all yeah. healthcare is local, it is. right? Um, it's just a, a again a dynamic that can't really be replicated, and this is an opportunity for us as rural hospitals to leverage that and to make sure that we remind our community, especially with a capital campaign, you are giving them the opportunity to be a part of the future and the success of the hospital. You create literal buy-in, right, when someone writes you a check to support, you know, the purchase of your new x-ray machine or or whatever it may be, and then they're invested in your hospital. Mm -hmm. And then part of their goal, whether consciously or subconsciously, is to be supportive of your hospital mm-hmm. and to speak positively yeah. about your hospital well, because they have in skin it. in the game yeah. now in a way, yeah. right? That maybe they don't just as a patient when they choose to freely give yeah. um, of their own talents well, and treasures and, and things like that. It it creates a different ownership. dynamic. Yeah, it's ownership. It creates you know, ownership. It's when we raise our kids, and you'll experience this someday, Rachel, I promise you. When your child begins to drive or they go to college, they have to have skin in the game. And this right. is what we require of our children. And, and, and we do this at home is, all right, if you're going to, you, you're going to help pay for some of this. Mm-hmm. And you know what we find out? They take care of it better. Mm-hmm. They appreciate mm-hmm. it more right. than just being given something. And it's the right. same way in healthcare. Right. I think if you're invested in it, whether in the community, if you work here or whether you use the services or not, mm-hmm. when you make contributions, you know, for a piece of equipment, you feel proud when you walk in and think, right. I contributed to this. Right. And I remember walking into our behavioral health unit because I made a, a donation to that. I was actually um, spearheading the campaign and made a donation. Mm-hmm. But every time I walk in there, it's just something special to me. Right. Because I had a hand in it, mm-hmm. you know, more ways mm-hmm. than one, both financially and also programmatic. Um, really just, wow, it, it takes on just a different life. Right. And I, and I think if we were to duplicate that across this country in, in communities like ours, you know, there would be a lot more ownership, mm-hmm. not so much reliance on bigger is better. And right. we have to run to the new shiny place because you're not invested up there. Right. 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 And you're invested here locally. And right. I, I really think that that is an important element uh, when you look at a, a campaign like ours. And I would encourage those listening, you know, to reinvigorate your community, to reconnect. Mm-hmm. It cannot happen after your hospital closes. Right. It's too late. Right. Your community and it can't forums, happen after the competitor comes no. in and builds the shiny new building Correct. to do, you know, the, the, shiny Walmart, new the Walmart model of yeah. put in the neighborhood market next door to the mom and pop. Yep. When the mom and pop close, right. close the neighborhood market and make yep. everyone drive to the super center. Yep. Right. Because well, mom and pop used to, you know, we used to go there to buy our, you know, XYZ favorite product. But for everything right. else, we're just going to the box store. Well, at some point, your mom and pop store right. will close right. and it will be devastating for your community. Now, some would argue that's free market economy. It is what it is. At the end of the day, when we look at health care, I'm going to tell you right now, if you do not have your local hospital, Rachel, mm-hmm. great consequences will result. Oh, of course. If you cannot get to a local hospital when you're having a stroke to administer the TPA, seconds count. Right. And we're talking life and death, mm-hmm. abruptions. Mm-hmm you know, deliveries, those type of things mm-hmm. where you need a local hospital. It's a little bit different than you trying to make a comparison to the local, you know, grocery store, even though it has the same type of implications. Right. The reality of it is this is life-saving stuff. Right. And it's so important to engage with our community. I think a, one of the things that we have lost in this country is that sense of, of local, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything's just been, Rachel, during the pandemic, how easy was it to order your stuff online? Oh, yeah. Do you know the socialization that you lost by going to the store? And I'm being oh, yeah. realistic. Oh, yeah. Healthcare 
went online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our physicians hated a lot of our a lot of our community because they like the traditional mm-hmm. knock on your office door of your doctor hated it as well. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the or day, there was there was no connectivity because this is rural America. <laughs> There's been a lot of disconnects that right. that you know some were good uh, that COVID brought us with connecting, but some were bad. And mm-hmm. and part of it is you know you want to build a relationship with your local hospital, uh, and then you want to feel a sense of really you know what I had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. It's pride. You know, and it's just it's knowing. legacy it for is. your family it and is. for your community moving yeah. forward. And we, you and I had a chance to meet with, I think she was in her 90s. And yeah. she mm-hmm. made a very mm-hmm. sizable gift to us. Yes. We didn't even know the gift was coming. Nope. You know, About fell out of my chair when I opened, you opened an the envelope yeah. with a $50,000 check in it from this 50, individual who'd been a recent patient. And the yeah. only request she had was that we get some new recliners for Sniff. But otherwise, yeah. she just wanted to it. give it to our Sniff. That was it. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so she was um, incredible when we got to go meet her. Yeah, but that's a legacy, right? Right. I mean, we have told her story and we'll continue to keep it in in tradition uh, time and time again about how you can create a legacy by allowing Hillsdale Hospital not only to provide services to you, mm-hmm. right? So we can sustain that which we've had for over 100 years. But also, as you look at your estate and planning and gifts and how are you going to settle your final affairs, you know, where is that contribution going to be made? Some people mm-hmm. make it to libraries, some make it to colleges. Don't forget your local hospital. Right. They're doing a tremendous amount of mission work every day to save lives that the government doesn't pay them enough to cover their costs. Right. Right. And so or if, the insurers sometimes. And that's another yeah, <laughs> that like I said, that's another episode when it we is. when we talk about all the issues is. surrounding rural health, sometimes we miss the that's right. The root issues. That's so right. don't mistake this conversation for we're saying just make sure that everything's warm and fuzzy with your community right. and your rural hospital will be fine. But it certainly is an important foundational element. It's a phenomenal opportunity to engage at the local level, you know, your healthcare leadership and your physicians by making a contribution either now or at time of death mm-hmm. uh, for a legacy to be built in your name and to continue in your name. How phenomenal is it that you had a part in saving someone's life, Rachel? Mm-hmm. These are incredible things right. and uh, they need to be duplicated across this country. And I think, you know, a raising awareness to them like we have, uh, it just starts local. Thank you for joining us for today's mini-sode. If you have a topic or issue you want us to cover on a future mini-sode, shoot us an email at marketing at hillsdalehospital.com. You can also find Hillsdale Hospital on Facebook and Instagram. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. You can also find us now on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel's at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow our podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by JJ Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.